And as entrepreneurs, we are all conditioned to be able to do everything ourselves. And it is important to understand if you're a real estate investor and operator, you need to understand how to do everything and what good looks like in everything. But you don't need to do it all yourself when you are leading a team, when you are leading a vision and doing that. And if you want to be really good and really affect a lot of people, you can't be doing everything yourself. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Chris Larson. We're talking about a few things. Chris is from Next Level Income, and that's what we're diving in today. We talk about his firsthand experience of using the infinite banking concept. And if you're not familiar with the infinite banking concept, it's a a bit of a complex strategy utilizing whole life insurance tools and strategies to increase your cash flow, get some tax advantages, and also get the benefit of being insured with a a whole life insurance policy. It's really interesting. And one of my concerns about that strategy is I feel like we don't get enough firsthand accounts from folks who use the infinite banking strategy. And in this case, Chris is sharing his firsthand experience of using the infinite banking strategy with us. We also talk about the importance and the strategy of building teams as a real estate investor. It's so important to have other people around you who can handle tasks for you that aren't as high value as you can earn. If you're somebody out there, you make $100,000 a year or $200,000 a year or more, then why are you spending your time working on tasks that are are only really 10 or $20 an hour value tasks in any business, in any facet of your life. Time is valuable and time is our most scarce resource, most scarce asset. So offload some of those tasks, get someone on your team who can handle those things. And we talk about his strategy and recommendations for how to do that and how to free up some of your time, whether you want to use that time for more productive purposes and make more money or just for your own personal, you want to go, you know, enjoy your time with your family, whatever, free up those hours, get people on your team and get those tasks off your plate and handed to somebody else. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. I love learning new things. These are such important topics and we got into some uh, deep cuts here today. If you do enjoy the show and you're an Apple podcast user, please take a quick second, go to the Apple podcast app, look us up, give us a rating review, five stars if you don't mind. We asked for that. I asked for that because it helps us get higher in the Apple rankings. It helps other people, more people find out about the show. And it helps me feel good when I see your nice comments. It just, it's great. It feels awesome. And I know you guys are out there listening and enjoying and learning and growing along with us, building your passive wealth. And that is the whole point, the whole reason we're here. If you do also enjoy the show, take a quick second, go to your favorite podcast app, Podcatcher, I think is what they call them. Look the show up, hit the subscribe button. That way you're going to get every fresh new lesson on passive wealth generation with real estate straight to your mobile device and grow along with us. Without any further ado, here we go with Chris Larson from Next Level Income. Chris, thank you for joining us today. Taylor, I'm excited. Hey, I'm excited to talk with you. We've got, you know, a little bit of commonality here. You went to tech. I live in Virginia. You know, we probably know some common people, but for the listeners out there who don't know about you, your business, your book, and all that great stuff, can you tell us a bit 
about your background, and then we're going to dive you know, straight into everything we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So uh, for people that don't recognize tech like you and I do, it's Virginia Tech. Went to Virginia Tech, grew up in Maryland. And like you, Taylor, I studied engineering. I But I knew about two weeks in, I didn't want to be an engineer. <laughs> I'm, I was, you know, so the uh, professor showed me a video that Kent Narrow Bridge, like swinging back and forth and falling apart. And he's like, if you don't do your job well, this is what could happen. And I just thought, I went home, I walked out of class. I thought, I don't want to have, I don't want to worry about something like that. So I, I enjoyed the process, learning about engineering. I enjoyed some of the things like uh, medical implants I learned about, but I, I just wanted to race my bicycle. And in my book, which I'll, I'll share how Anybody that's listening can get it here a little bit later off our website. But I talk about how I raced bicycles for 20 years. And I love the feeling of freedom. And unfortunately, as a cyclist, you don't make a lot of money. So I, I had this entrepreneurial streak and I was always kind of doing some side stuff. And I had this confluence of events where my best friend, my training partner, my roommate passed away between my freshman and sophomore year of college. And I appreciate that. He was like a brother. And it, it really pushed me back first off kind of like into a hole. I, I just raced my bike and that's all I did. I barely went to class. My grades were terrible. And then as I came out of that, I realized that racing my bike didn't really make me happy and I was meant to do more. So I quit racing. So now I'm an engineer. I don't want to, or I'm in engineering school. I don't want to be an engineer and I'm racing bikes and I don't want to be a professional cyclist. So I'm thinking now what do I do with my life? So I spent a year kind of regrouping and I still wanted that that freedom. I tasted the freedom. I traveled. I did all this stuff, and I wanted to be free. So I thought, okay, what you know, what do you need? You need money to be free. So I started investing in the stock market. I had a friend who had given me a money magazine that talked about investing and financial independence, compound interest. I started day trading. I was making like five grand a month, and then some. Some months I was losing money. So we, we can, and I, I just I started reading and educating myself on a lot of other investment opportunities and real estate came up and I thought, okay, here's real estate. I can leverage it. I can control some appreciation to a degree. And my parents had a couple of rentals, just single family rentals. So I kind of knew about it. And I went to went to some seminars, read some books, bought my first property at age 21. And kind of fast forwarding, I bought a bunch of properties from 21 to 25. Fortunately, I stopped before the major crash and was able to stay whole through that. But after putting my head down and working as a medical device professional, as a sales rep, so kind of leveraging my engineering background and knowledge into the medical device industry, after doing that for like 10 years, I looked up and I thought, okay, I got these properties, they're making some money, but they're, they could be doing better. And I transitioned all that starting in 2013 into commercial properties, specifically multifamily. And you know, we went from you know, less than 10 units to over 1500 units doing that. Awesome. And I mean, that was a, one of the perfect times you know, to, to shift and shift into commercial. And it's been a, a great run since then. And you know, tell us a little bit about your book, Next Level Income. I think folks will be really interested in that, some of the ideas there. Yeah. So um, first off, if you want to get a copy, check check out our website, nextlevelincome.com. There's a book link on there and it'll tell you how to free get a free copy if you want to kind of learn a little bit more. So I started syndicating deals, Taylor. So sharing our deals with other investors back in 2016, officially, we started a partnership with my, my prior partner in 2015. And after doing that for a couple of years, what happened was I had people reaching out and saying, Hey, Chris, you know, this is really interesting. I can't invest in these deals yet. I don't have enough money or, Hey, I'm, I'm young. What, what advice would you give me? And I would write these emails. 
And then, you know, every month I'd write the same email and then every week I'd write the same email. And then sometimes I'd write the same email twice in a, in a day. And I thought, all right, there's got to be a better way. And my um, marketing partner, Caleb, at the time said, hey, you should start a podcast and hey, you should write a book. So we started kind of playing with some of these educational ideas. And really the idea behind Next Level Income was to curate this advice and information for investors. So now if you go onto our website, there's, geez, I think there's over 150 different blogs and podcasts up there in addition to the book. But I published the book a year ago as an opportunity to, to share my story and I actually rewrote it. I had a whole new chapter in there. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show about uh, infinite banking, about life insurance. And I actually added a whole chapter about that because it's been fundamental to my investing strategy over the past decade. So Next Level Income is a little bit about my story. It talks about how you can shortcut your path to success in real estate. And then it also talks about why I call multifamily the holy grail of real estate. Interesting. Okay. So the, the infinite banking concept, we've talked about it in a show in the past. It sounds like you're actually using the infinite banking strategy and you have been for some amount of time with your own uh, investments. Is that right? It is. Yeah. We started now, I will tell you again, this is one of the reasons I wrote the book. We started these policies 11 years ago and my first son wasn't even born yet when we found out my wife was pregnant, but I didn't really start using them and leveraging them fully really until about three to four or five years ago, maybe. Interesting. Okay. So can you tell us about your strategy there? Because I, I feel like, and I, I don't know whether you're you know, issuing these policies and helping people get into, into them you know, yourself, but my feeling is probably my biggest problem with that strategy is I feel like I always hear from guys who sell the infinite banking, but I don't hear from guys who are using infinite banking quite enough to make me comfortable, right? Because in yeah. syndication, I can go meet passive syndicator and passive syndication investors. I do that myself. That helped me get comfortable with it and all these other things. But I feel like the infinite banking strategy, the clients are a lot uh, quieter about their experience than I'd like. And I'd, I'd like to hear more about that and you know all that kind of stuff. So first off, there's a lot of misconceptions about insurance. So I am a licensed insurance agent. This is my second time. I was licensed about 20 years ago when I worked for State Farm. I got re-licensed because we have some educational resources and I have a partnership with a group called Money Insights. So, you know, just to be fully transparent, you can read all about that as well on our website. But my personal story, I started these policies not not with the group I work with now. And I just started them to have the insurance benefit and the cash value. So really you know, to put it simply, uh, an infinite banking policy is a whole life insurance policy that maximizes the cash value, minimizes the commissions and the insurance value, which is kind of backwards because most, most agents will sell you the amount of insurance you need, which maximizes the commission and it minimizes the cash value. So it's a little bit backwards. I mean, that's why, that's why it's important to work with somebody that, that not only knows how to do that, but also invest themselves ideally in whatever you're doing. So that's the first thing. So whole life, I want to, I want to talk to people. If you're a real estate investor, think about whole life insurance, like having a mortgage, think about term insurance, like renting. So if you rent over time, the cost is going to go up. You know, you might lock in your rent for a year or maybe five years, but over time, when you renew that lease, your cost is going to go up just like a term policy. And question is, do you get any equity in that term policy? No. Now a whole life policy, you might say, wow, that's pretty expensive. You know, I'm going to pay a thousand dollars a month for this policy. But the interesting thing is just like a mortgage, it's paid up. It may be paid up in 10 years or 30 years, but it's paid up and you build cash value, you build equity. Now, 
it's it's just like structuring a mortgage. If you structure it the right way, you can build up that value even faster. And the cool thing is you can pull that value out tax-free. So there's a lot of different ways to do it, but you have to work with somebody that does that. And then second, I think you don't go buy one of these policies. You don't go put this in place before you know what your overall strategy is and how it's going to factor in there. So we use this policy as our emergency fund. We use it to protect us as our, our part of our protect bucket, as I like to call it. And then we also use it to fund not only our passive deals, but also, also our active deals. And it's really great. We were, we were building spec homes and I would pull money out of the policy. We'd build a spec home. We'd, put, we'd take the profit. We'd invest that profit into a passive deal. And then we'd roll the money back into the policy and wait till we found the next deal that we wanted to fund. And my wife and I did that for about five years. And we, we did very well with that. It funded a lot of our initial passive syndications. So that's, that's an example of how we use that as part of our strategy. But here's why I teach people about it now, Taylor. Nobody told me how to do that. I had to go like hunt and read. And my agent, when I told him, he's like, I love what you do. I was like, why aren't you telling me to do this? Like, you know what I do. So I, it was, it was frustrating that, you know, somebody didn't tell me. So that's what we do now. We have some educational resources to help show people how this can be a part of their overall strategy. That's great. I really appreciate that. And, and you mentioned um, earlier, you know, as we kind of started, broke into this topic about you feel like you didn't like take it to the next level to continue with the next level terminology. Until you, were a few, <laughs> until you were a few years in, or I think maybe you said like five years ago, was that, what's that related to? Is that related to that strategy you just described or what change did you make that kind of took it to that next level? Yeah. So we, we sat on these policies and after about five years, we looked and I was like, wow, there's, there's some substantial capital in there. And my wife and I were looking to go build spec homes. So we started going to banks. Now this is around 2012 and we start looking at spec homes and no banks wanted to lend to us. So it's, you know, it's one of those things you're like, okay, where can I get some, where can I get some money for this? And you start looking, you're like, wait a minute, I could take, I could take a loan out of my policy. I could pull this cash value out and utilize that at about the same rate the bank was charging or even lower rates, depending on, on what we were looking at. So kind of the light bulb started to go off and I, I, I'm an avid reader. So even after I started the policies, I kept reading about the strategy and I was reading one book and, and in that book, it talked about, it was, I think it was a, like a client testimonial or something, um, or maybe somebody that was an agent that talked about how their father had used these policies to fund real estate deals. And that's when the light bulb went off. And I thought, oh, well, we do real estate and we have these cash value policies. So um, what I started doing was I started taking my, my, my bonus commission checks, dumping them into the policies and then pulling the money out the backside to fund these real estate deals and then recycling it back in. So, I mean, I've been, we've been doing that in and out for, like I said, more than five years now. Awesome. And I appreciate the firsthand account. Like I said, that's probably gets to my biggest hangups about this strategy is, is I don't hear enough of the firsthand experience, you know, of what people are doing with it. So, you know, I've got no problem with anybody selling anything if it's got value, but I, I feel like I need more of a firsthand account of the the value. Yeah. And I really, you know, if, if you're listening and it intrigues you, educate yourself first. It's just like, you know, it's no different, Taylor, right? Than investing in, in a passive apartment deal. It's like, obviously people that are structuring these deals that are operating these deals, they're making money. Like there's, there's value there, but there are also salespeople that are more knowledgeable 
than others. And then there are people that are practitioners of it. So, you know, just like there are good operators and there's great operators and there's bad operators, there are, there are good salespeople that know how to structure these policies. There are bad salespeople that don't know how to structure these policies. And then there are great salespeople that know how to structure these policies and they specialize in working with people like you. And that's what you want to ask. Hey, do you work with people like me? You know, I'm an investor. I do this, or I'm a business owner. I do this. Do you work with people like me? And what do you, what do you do to help them out? And then interview different people to make sure they're the best fit. I'm getting this, you know, feeling. I I feel like there's probably a lot of space or demand in the market for a infinite banking community, right? There are so many, I'm not a big fan of Facebook groups, but just to use that example, there are so many multifamily Facebook groups and all these other things, right? And there's, there are, you know, private syndication investor clubs that folks can get into. Why not a, a club for people who use the infinite banking strategy to get together and talk about, hey, here's what I'm doing, just share ideas and cross pollinate. I mean, there's probably a lot of demand for that out there. Maybe it exists. I don't know. We're going to, we're going to work on that concept a little bit more. I think that'll, that'll work out great. I think there's a lot of demand for it to help people get in and, you know, there's social proof. There's so much there. So yeah, I, I think that's great. Now, another idea that you dig into, you talk about in your content, your book is the importance of building teams in real estate investing. And I'm all in, you know, but the big question that folks have, especially when they're getting started as real estate investors, no matter what the strategy is, right. Is like, how do I, how do I get started? How do I build a team? How do I think about uh, those roles and how do I find the right people to be on my team? What are your thoughts about that? Finding the right people to be on your, your team as a real estate investor? Yeah, I think it, you know, I talk about scalability in my book and I just read a great book by Dan Sullivan called Who, Not How. Uh, And Dan Sullivan, yeah, he is the founder of Strategic Coach, which I'm a member of. And he really talks about, you know, don't think about how to do something, find the right who to do something. And as entrepreneurs, we are all conditioned to be able to do everything ourselves. And it is important to understand if you're a real estate investor and operator, you need to understand how to do everything and what good looks like in everything. But you don't need to do it all yourself when you are leading a team, when you are leading a vision and doing that. And if you want to be really good and really affect a lot of people, you can't be doing everything yourself. You know, it's like, should I be doing my own laundry? Should I be mowing my own grass? Should I be washing my car? When I was a sales rep, I'll give you an example. I I always said, don't do $10 an hour tasks, right? You want to automate those things. You want to systematize those things, or you want to outsource those things. So the easiest thing to do is ask, look in the mirror and ask yourself, okay, how much money am I worth? If you're making $100,000 a year, you make about $50 an hour. If you multiply 40 times 50, 2,000 hours times $50 an hour, that's $100,000. So anything less than $50, if you're working and you have control over your time, you should probably outsource because you can, if you can spend more time doing that. But then you look in the mirror and ask yourself, okay, what do I really do that actually makes me money? And chances are a lot of the things you're doing are not worth $50. Probably the things that are really making you money are worth $100 or $200. So do more of those tasks. So think about that first, change your mindset. And then when you, you know, whether you're in real estate or you have your own business, whatever it is you may be doing, you need to surround yourself with like-minded people. I've had some mistakes in this arena. I've hired bad people. I've had bad partners. And one thing I think aside from competence, that's really, really important to me, Taylor, is an abundance mindset. If you have this scarcity mindset, like, hey, we're all going to fight over the pie and see who gets the most, like that's not 
you know, that, that's never really going to get you where you want. You know, you want to be with people that are like-minded and that think that there's abundance and you can grow into the future. And if you think there's abundance and you surround yourself with people that are like that, there will be abundance for you. And then the last piece of this is you need to find the right person in, in the team for the right role. So, you know, we use personality tests when we're, when we're assessing people and these are like strength finders or with Colby index. And these are things that allow you to look at your personality. Like for me, I'm, I'm a strategy guy. So when I work with my coaching clients, I'm really, I feel like my gift is looking and looking at a situation, figuring out, okay, what's the best strategy to implement going into the future and figuring out how to do that. And then I like to hand things off. My wife, she's a detail person. Like she's a perfectionist. She's an architect. So, you know, for her, she's really good at doing a task like and, and finishing that task, but she's not good at adhering to a timeline because there's no urgency there. So, you know, she, when, when she and I split roles up, we, we find stuff that fits her really well. We find stuff that fits me really well. So again, you know, you have to have your, your mind right. You have to surround yourself with like-minded people. And then you have to make sure that the people on your team have the right skills for the right role. Nice. I love all of that. Something that's big on my mind right now is as we record, I'm, I'm working on hiring a, an executive assistant full-time and it, um, I haven't read Who Not How, but I've heard so many entrepreneurs talk about, you know, successful people talk about Who Not How. I, I think I get the basic idea. So I'm, you know, trying to keep that in mind as I'm hiring this new person. And everything you said about the dollars per hour and, and your most valuable tasks versus your least valuable tasks is so on my mind right now. How can I get some of those $10, $20 hour per hour tasks off of my plate? Give them to somebody else who can do it. And I totally relate to that. I can do all of it in the business because I'm, I'm just obsessed with, you know, how am I going to make a new system to do this and execute it and all that great stuff. But I got to start handing some of those things off, even if they're, you know, important tasks. So big on my mind right now. I really appreciate that. And I think there's a lot, there was a lot of great advice in what you just had to say. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Chris, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Well, I could I could point to we bought this little deal in downtown Asheville. It's been a terrific investment, but I'd probably say the ring that convinced my wife to to marry me, which I don't know if it was the ring, but just that commitment. It was, you know, she's a wonderful partner. We're going to be celebrating 20 years together. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. We had the best investment or the best investments. Now we go to the worst investment. Hopefully it's not another ring we don't know about. I don't know. I'm not saying that. What is the worst investment you ever made? <laughs> I might be able to share a funny story on that too, but I'm going to pass on that today. <laughs> We're going to steer clear of that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, there's a lot, there's a lot of those. No, there's a lot of mistakes. And, you know, I think the big thing is, you know, moving on from those mistakes, but I will say I've made some poor investments outside of the real estate world. And I thought, Hey, I'm going to diversify outside of real estate. And, uh, we made, we made an investment in, in a small business arena prior to the pandemic and small businesses got hit really, really hard. It's been really sad, but that that's been a pretty poor investment. But I will say the lesson from that is invest in what, you know, trust, trust your plan and don't get sidetracked. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? 
I think like we were talking about earlier, you have got to surround yourself with the right people, with the right mindset. And I am really big on the abundance mindset, you know, believing that you can have it all. There's more for everybody and really that you, know, you can impact so many people. So have a big vision, you know, believe in it, surround yourself with those right people and you can achieve a multiple of what you ever thought you could. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you for joining us today, sharing these uh, lessons as an, a user of infinite banking, in addition to your you know, business helping other people getting into uh, infinite banking and also teaching us about your thoughts around team building, finding the right people in your business. If folks want to reach out, get in touch with you, find your podcast, find your book, any of that great stuff, where can they find you? Taylor, thank you. We love what you do. Love the education you're spreading. We, we have the same mission. So check us out at nextlevelincome.com. You can get a free copy of our book. Check out our podcast. Uh, you can learn more about the banking strategies that we talked about at the banking link. And you can reach out to me if you have any questions, if there's anything that we can do to help you at chris at nextlevelincome.com. Great. Well, thanks once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated and it helps other people learn about the show. It bumps us up in their algorithm and however that works, lets them know that people are enjoying listening to the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we will talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.